0: Is this the place to volunteer? Yes, it is. Good. But we don't open for another six minutes.
1: Okay, sorry. And,
0: and could you stand behind the line, please? Thank you. Excuse me, is, is this a place to volunteer? Yes, it is. Good, because I'm looking for the donuts. <laughs> Oh, oh. Excuse my. Excuse me. Excuse me. Is, is this the place to volunteer? Yes, it is. We take those idle, idle hands to a needy, needy place and build a great big heart with a happy, happy face. Excuse me, is this the place? Are, are you the person to talk to? I'm sorry. Are you the person to talk to about that, that word that starts with an S? That it, it, it's really painful and, and all church people really avoid it at all costs? Yes. Sin. Mm-hmm. No. Serving. Oh. Excuse me. Yes. Is this the place to volunteer? Yes, it is. May I have your name? Whitney Houston. Uh, Cindy Cross! Uh, J-Lo! Uh, do I have to give you my real name? Well, we do want to be able to contact you. <sighs> yeah. Okay. Kim. Good. Kim. McFarland. MC. Yeah. Far. C- Land. Far. Great. Land. I can see it now. There goes my yeah. whole weekend. Hey, Kim, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, just cleaning toilets at the church while I'm singing hymns on my knees. Okay, McFarland. M- MC Farland. Far Farland. Far Got it. Do you need my number? Already have it. It's 555 five, 1212. Divorced. Me. Live on Lawrence in Kansas. Drive a blue Volkswagen <sighs> okay. convertible with license plate number One Hot Mama. Uh, Prospective member for 57 months, you believe using Listerine pockets is an adequate replacement for brushing your teeth on Sunday morning. And I would like to uh, give you a little tip. You might want to call your mother more frequently than once every six months. The man upstairs is not pleased. Pastor Hoover? <laughs> no, the man way upstairs. <sighs> Okay, McFarland, McFarland, mc Uh, number 555-1212, 555-1212, yeah, not quite sure what ministries to get plugged into here. Oh, uh, we can help you with that. Never thought I'd be here in a million years. Oh, well, if you're not ready, you can, you can come back another time. No, no, I... I, I... I think I'm ready. Good. And how long have you been coming to the church? <laughs> 28 years. 28. About 17 minutes now. Uh, three years. And I can just get plugged in, you know, anywhere and see how it works out. And Absolutely. That's what first serve is all about. <laughs> Great idea. Just try it. See yes. if I like it. No commitment. If it doesn't work out, sayonara. <laughs> Hasta la vista, baby. <laughs> kind of like my date Friday night. <laughs> And um, so, what are your interests? Oh, my interests. I like manicures and pedicures. (laughs) Krispy Kreme donuts. Uh, Uh, What what are the options? Yes, what ministries are you interested in? Let's see. Well, I have hospital visitations. (sighs) Knew it. Okay, it was a handicapped spot, Lord, but don't you think this is a little extreme. It was only for 10 minutes. Hospital visitations, women's ministries. Do you have anything in the single, adult, male, 30-something ministries? <laughs> women's ministries, a traffic team. Traffic! Uh, traffic. traffic! I can do traffic. Right. I can do that. Yeah, I, you know, I love the outdoors and it would really help with my tan. <laughs> oh, I'm glad to know that. Um, they really need help out there. Traffic. Why, Why would that be? Well, it's, um, all of those big hummers. They just keep eating all of those orange jackets for breakfast. Oh. Yes. So, do you have anything that I could do with my hands? Well, let's take a look. Oh, can you do crafts? I love crafts. That would be great. How are Thursday nights for you? You know, that's my bail hearing. And miss watching CSI? You know, I'm coming in from aerobics that weekend. That just wouldn't work out. That's perfectly all right. We want this ministry to fit your schedule. (laughs) You know, is there anything that doesn't involve... Oh, this is so embarrassing. Um, Well, no, that's... I just don't... uh, That's all right. We all have our sensitive spots. You know, I'm just not ready. I just don't think this will... I just don't uh, think that will work. You don't want to work with someone. Is it the opposite sex? Oh no, 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 no. it's not that oh, okay. at all. No. Is it the homeless? No. Oh no, there's nothing no. wrong with them. It, oh, it's well, me, good. really. Um, it is the incarcerated. No, um, oh no, 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 it's not that. It's just that. Um, oh, well, well, who's here to avoid working yes. with? And and who? Oh, I, is it's, there anything it's, it's right. that yes. doesn't involve working yes. with church people? Oh.
1: Thank you. Teresa Booth, Vanda Turley. Didn't they do a wonderful job this morning? Just give me a job where I don't have to work with church people. That would would really be something if we have one of those. This morning, I just want to ask your indulgence because I don't know that you could call what I'm about to do today a sermon. Although, I really think sometimes that we in the church community could stand some reevaluation of what we call a sermon because oftentimes what people gather to hear is a man stand before them to say the things that they already know so that they can affirm those things and say, hey, I'm a good Christian and walk out of the service and stay the way they were and not really make any change in their lives. What we're going to do today is we're going to talk about how to make a difference and how to make a difference to the ministry of your local church. Our series is called Connect and it's all about our purpose statement. We exist as a church to help people make an eternal connection with Jesus Christ. I can't do that by myself. We talked about that last week. I'm not super pastor. I'm just an ordinary guy that God has called to lead this ministry. Our staff, even though they're skilled and capable, they can't do that by themselves. They can't do the work of this great church. God has put us all together as a great team to stand up together to help people to make that eternal connection with Jesus Christ. And we determined that we cannot do that by ourselves. It takes the Holy Spirit to really join people with Christ. But what we can do is we can create environments that are joyful, relevant, and irresistible. And we have to work together. We need to work together. In fact, it's the joy of our lives to work together to make and create those environments that draw people to Jesus Christ. Today, I want to give you some ideas about how you can get connected in doing the work of this great ministry. How you can get involved in some first service ministries here in our church. I want to share four of them with you. In your worship folder when you came in today, you have a synopsis of these four opportunities, these first serve ministries, where you can plug in and get involved. Now, by no means... Are these all the ministries of our church? For instance, if you look in your guide today, you'll notice that there's nothing in there about small group ministry or connection ministries. We're going to be birthing many small group ministries here in our church this fall. And there's an orientation class at 930 on Sunday mornings that begins in September. And if you're interested in getting involved with that, there'll be more information to come. There are a lot of other ministries like that that aren't in your worship folder today, but you have four that are 1st serve ministries, way that you can, ways that you can get involved immediately with your church to make a difference in people's lives. What I'd like to ask in this message today that I'm going to share with you, I'd like to ask you to just be open to exploring the possibilities that God may have for you. I truly believe, as I study the Bible, that we probably don't have a whole lot of time before the coming of our Lord. That means that if we're involved in church ministry, we need to be stretching to the limit to do what we can to make a difference in people's lives. I was thinking about this this week and getting prepared for the sermon, and a story came to me from my elementary school days that I hadn't thought about in a lot of years. My birthday falls right before the beginning of school, so I was always the youngest person in my class all the way through school. And when I was real young and smaller than everybody else, I wasn't the most athletically inclined person. So when I was in the first and second grade and games were getting uh, up on the playground for kickball or baseball or whatever, I would probably be one of the last people chosen because I was smaller than everybody else in my class. My first time, my first opportunity to play team baseball, I was in the third grade. I was eight years old, and a lot of the guys on my team were in school with me And they they knew about me. They knew I wasn't the most athletic person. And uh, I felt that when I was on the team. I spent a lot of time riding the bench. I remember one particular game, we got well ahead of our opponent by several runs. And the coach put me in the game. I guess he felt like it's time to put Mark in the game because we've got this game safely won. The only problem was the other team began to come back. And at the end of the game, it was one of those moments that all of you who've ever played in sports, you sort of dream about happening. We were in the last inning. We were down two runs. There were runners in scoring position. On second and third base, one out left in the inning, and it was up to me to bat. I fully expected my coach to pull me out and to put in a designated hitter to to score those two runs. But for some reason, he left me in. Now, as I thought about this, I haven't thought about this story in years. It came to me. I remember standing over the plate with the bat in my hand and looking out at the panorama of the field. I looked in the faces of two boys who were at second and third base and I still remember their names. I looked and th- they were my friends. They liked me, we got along. If it had been any other setting, they would have been glad to have seen me there. But I could read their faces. They were not glad to see me standing at the plate when they were in scoring position with one out left. I could see the dejection on their faces. And they, they, didn't, they didn't hurl any insults at me. It was just like game over, we're, we're, you know, that's it. But you know, I I thought about this because my personality has always been, I guess I'm just too dumb to be afraid. And I remember standing over the plate thinking, I am glad I am here. And I stood there and I watched what happened because seeing that I was a right-handed batter, the, the shortstop began to shade toward third base. And I looked and he left a gap between second and short. And I stood there over the plate and I looked at that gap and I said, that's where I'm going, right there. That's my spot. That spot belongs to me. First pitch. I hit it. It went all the way to the fence, scored both runners, and I mean, it was jubilation. But what got me going as I thought about that story was my emotion at the end of that game. You know, that was before you did all the high fives and all the piling on. I I grew up in gentler days where kids came by and shook your hand and said, nice, nice hit. I, I really enjoyed that as some of those players that didn't have a lot of confidence in me came and shook my hand and said, wow. I mean, because the dejection had now been replaced by abject surprise and shock that I got a base hit. I remember the emotion of feeling good that we won the game. But none of those emotions Well, what stayed with me really until this day, I will never forget the feeling of my teammates coming to congratulate me and that feeling that said I can be counted on when the chips are down. I love that feeling. You know, there are people, you know, in the ninth inning with runners in scoring position, well, in the last out, there are some people who want to hide. They, they want to sit on the bench and hide from other people and say, don't put me in the game. I am the kind of person that says, put me in the game. I want to be there. I may strike out, but I'm going to be looking for my spot and swinging for the fence. I want to be somebody who can be counted on when the chips are down. And my guess is I'm talking to some people like that here today. For one thing, this is a risky ministry. You probably wouldn't even be in this ministry if you weren't that kind of person. I'm talking to some people today. You're you're saying, you know, I wish I knew where my spot was. I wish I knew where that gap was because I want to be the kind of person who can be counted on when the chips are down. Well, the chips are down. We have six billion people in our world. Overwhelming number of them do not know Jesus Christ. In fact, many of them Perhaps close to the majority of them have really never heard a clear presentation of who Jesus Christ is. It is time for the church of Jesus Christ to get going. It's time for us to get into the game. And I'm hoping that there are some people here who would say, Put me in, coach, because I want to be counted on. I want to be the person who can be there when the chips are down. With that in mind this morning, I'd like to acquaint you with four first start, first serve ministries in our church. And I don't know if you could call this a sermon or not. I just want to show you what these opportunities are so that you can begin to explore the opportunities that are available to you. You have these in your worship folder, but if you're like me and your eyes are not good enough to read that small print, at the end of the service, when you leave today, there will be people stationed around the foyer who will give you a better copy of each one of these ministries, plus... There will be representatives of these ministries out there to field your questions and show you how you can get more information. I'm not asking you to commit today. I'm just asking you to be willing to explore the opportunities that are in this ministry. They're divided into four categories. And the very first one is children's ministries. Why are children's ministries important? Well, the Bible tells us that when Jesus was on the earth, there were some children who came to him. There were parents who brought their children to Jesus. Matthew 19, verse 13. Some children were brought to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. The disciples told them not to bother him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And he put his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. I shared with you in a previous sermon that when my dad's generation was young, Christian leaders were saying to to churches, that if they didn't reach people by the time they left college, the chances of them ever becoming Christians are very slight was very slight. Then in my generation, the idea was if we don't reach people by the time they leave high school, it's not likely that we'll bring them to Christ. And then a few years ago, people begin to say if we don't reach them by junior high age, it's not likely that we'll see them follow Jesus. George Barna, who tracks statistics and tracks trends in church church life, says this. He says, it's now to the place that if we don't reach these. People, by the time they leave the fourth grade, it's not likely that we'll ever draw them to Christ. They live in a very sophisticated, worldly, secular environment. And there's so many pressures on kids that it's, it's paramount that we share Christ with them while they're in the earliest of ages. And that means that when we look at our ministries here at Messiah Baptist Church, to be quite honest with you, I really believe kids' ministries have to come first. Now... In your worship folder today, there are several opportunities for all of us to get plugged in in kids' ministries. First on the list is the AWANA ministry. AWANA is an acronym that stands for Approved Workers Are Not Ashamed. If you've never seen an AWANA night, I could tell you maybe the best way of describing it is to say it's a time when kids get together for Bible memory, for games, for learning it is it is a joyful relevant irresistible environment it's a delightful time and we have hundreds of kids who come here on wednesday evenings and there's always a great need for people who will work in those ministries and you can see the time there is 6:45 to 8:15 it begins on august 31st by the way the, the president of Awanas International will be speaking for us on August 28th. It It'll be a wonderful time. We'll have a balloon lunch that day. But there's a need in Awana, so I want to encourage you, if, that's your, if you look at that and say, that's my spot, at least be open to the possibility that that's where God wants you. Right now, while we're in this worship center, there is a ministry going on in the Family Life Center called G-Force. G-Force is an edgy, exciting, kids church ministry. The first time I saw G-Force, I said to myself, it makes me wish I was eight years old again. I I sat through a lot of church services. In fact, like I've said to you before, my parents took me to church from the day I was born. I sat through many church services that I didn't get a thing out of. But one thing I love about G-Force, it is a powerful, wonderful ministry that reaches kids. The other day I was baptizing in the 11 o'clock service, and so I had a few moments after I changed and walked down to the fellowship. Uh, center to watch G-Force where over a hundred kids were gathered and they were they were involved in this in this wonderful environment the kids were having a great time and they were learning. I'll never forget one image uh, that still stays with me. There was a boy about eight years old on the back row of G-Force because the floor is flat he couldn't see over the other kids to see what was happening on the stage. I watched him as he climbed up on his chair and craned his Neck as far forward as he could to see what was going on. When I talk to you about joyful, relevant, irresistible, that kid gives us a great picture of what all church ministry is supposed to be. And so I want to encourage you: if you if you have a passion for kids and you want to make a difference, you wouldn't have to be out of every eleven o'clock service, but you might be able to give one service or two services a month to G Force. Uh, one one point of sadness about G Force, uh, because G Force has grown so much. And because of some space issues, it it used to be from kindergarten to fifth grade, we actually had to take off the top two grades for, in some cases, lack of workers. A fourth-grade girl asked me the other day, Pastor, why are we not in G-Force anymore? And I, I had to tell her, well, we need, some, we need some more people who will step forward and work in that ministry. So you may look at that today and say, that's my spot. I remember when I was a kid, my parents made me go to church, and, and I just didn't get anything out of it. And in fact, I got out of church because of that, and it took me a while to get back in. You understand what G-Force is all about already, and we won't, turn, we won't put you up on the stage the first Sunday. You have an opportunity to get training to learn how to plug in and participate in that ministry. Kids' world. It's what takes place at 9, 30, and 11 o'clock. It's for kids of all ages, from infants all the way up to the sixth grade. We have openings for teachers, assistants, caregivers in the infants and toddlers area. You can see there's an orientation meeting if you'd like to get involved with that. Tremendous opportunity. And then the Moppets Ministry. Uh, Moms of preschoolers. Great opportunity to get involved with that. You can see from the sheet how you can plug in. Kids Ministries. What a wonderful place to get involved. Now let's take the second one. The second one is worship arts. And Pastor Cummins has given some really detailed stuff here on the ways you can plug into worship arts. You can see visual arts, banner ministry, set construction, drama. You saw an example of that this morning. Kids' choirs. And then the the worship choirs in the 930 and 11 o'clock service. Now, why is worship important? Why do we worship? Why why do we stand together for 20, 25 minutes this morning and worship? The answer to that question is in Psalm 100, in the fourth and fifth verse, where where the Bible says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, go into his courts with praise, give thanks to him, and bless his name. Now, we know that's, that's the worship of the Old Testament, but the New Testament church carried that on. We come into God's presence with praise and with thanksgiving. But why do we do that? Why is Lance here? Why do we have a choir? Why do we have an orchestra? Why do we have praise teams? Why are there people that lift up his name and lead us in worship? Why do you and I worship? Why do we praise the Lord? The answer is in verse 5. For, that means because, for the Lord is good. That's why we worship. Have you ever thought about that? That is why we praise. That's why we worship. That's the reason for Lance. That's the reason for the choir. That's the reason for the orchestra, for the praise team, because the Lord is good. And there could be some of you here today, you just say, well, Mark, you know, I want to get involved in that. I I want to know I'm not the greatest singer in the world. I'm not the greatest instrumentalist in the world, but I want to get involved. I have a passion. God has been good to me, and I want to lift up his name. You can contact Lance, and there's a way that you can do that in the music ministry, the worship ministry. Next, the welcome ministry. Why do we have people positioned at various places around the property to greet people when they come into the house of God? There's a reason for that. When I invite people to my house for a dinner or for uh, some kind of occasion, I love to greet people at the door and welcome them into my house. This is Jesus' house. Those people who greet you at the door or in the parking lot or the ushers, those people who help you find your place around this facility, they are standing in the place of Jesus Christ, welcoming you into the Lord's house. In Romans chapter 15, there's a great text here for all of us who are in the greeters' ministry. The Bible says, Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So accept each other just as Christ has accepted you then God will be glorified. Folks, every day of the week, people around us deal with rejection, don't they? And don't we? We all feel that rejection. People should never feel rejection when they come to the house of God. They should feel loved and warmed and accepted. Greet each other in Christian love. Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 14, And so you may say, well, you know, I'm not a musician or I I don't think I could ever work with kids or teach a kids class, but I I can make people feel welcome in God's house. Then it could be that the first start ministry for you would be in the greeters ministry or or those who help uh, people feel welcome in the house of God. And then finally, the fourth ministry that you have available to you is the technical ministry. As you look around this ministry, there are a lot of technical aspects to it. There's sound, there's lighting, there's camera. Why do we do that? Sometimes people who are not technically inclined can fail to see the value of these ministries. If you're like me, I have a hard time operating my TV or my radio. I mean, I can't even figure out my car radio. I mean, there's stuff it does I don't even understand. If I turn it on and put a CD in, if it doesn't play, I'm in trouble. I'm calling Jared for help. That's how it is for me. And for some of you that are not technically inclined, you can ask, why do we have a technical ministry? And the answer for that is Romans chapter 10, verse 17, where the Bible says faith comes by listening to this message of good news, the good news about Christ. Those who are in the technical ministry, are, they make a way for the word, the spoken word, the sung word, to be connected with those people who need to hear the message. For instance, right now, while I'm in this, in this service, if I'm speaking to you, if all of a sudden the sound system went out, you would know it. Some of you would struggle to hear it. Some of you are far enough away from me that if it weren't for the IMAG screens, you might have a difficult time knowing what's going on. Or maybe you couldn't have told everything about the drama if you didn't have the IMAG screens. So the guys who are operating the cameras right now, what they're doing is they're making a way for you to see better what takes place on this property. But that's not where it stops. Because if 13 to 1,400 people attend worship here on Sunday morning, there are about 35,000 people in this region who watch this ministry on television every week. People come to faith in Jesus Christ watching the television ministry. They're making a linkage. They're making a connection so that those people can hear the Word of God that can transform their lives. Now, for a lot of us, the technical ministry, it's not going to be our gig. That's just never going to be us. In fact, the technical people should keep me as far away from their stuff as they possibly can. Because, see, that's not my spot. You know, I mean, I, I, that's not the spot I'm looking at. But for some of you, it is your spot. It is your place of connection. You love that kind of thing. You have a passion for it. And you can see today by the list, there are all kinds of opportunities to get involved in the technical ministry. And I haven't even referenced the fact that we need help in the technical ministry for special events like Christmas Eve. Last year on Christmas Eve, we had 2,000 people that were in our worship service. There were people that were outside who could not get in. We've turned away probably four or 500 people. We just simply could not get onto our property. And this year, praise God, we're gonna have two Christmas Eve services. And we're looking for God to do exciting things. But for us, it's more than just a seasonal thing. We want to to maximize and leverage a service like Christmas Eve to share the good news with as many people as we possibly can. We're going to need technical help for things like Judgment House and other special events throughout the year. So if you have an interest in that, there's a way for you to get more information. As I said to you at the beginning of today's message, I'm not asking you to commit today. I'm asking you to explore the possibilities. I'm asking some of you who have yet to get connected into this ministry to look at these four first-start, first-touch ministries and ask ask yourself today, could this be my spot? Could this be a place where I can get connected? I've got to tell you, this really goes against the grain of my church experience for most of my life. Because for most of my life, church has been a place Where Christian people come in and sit, listen to a message, listen to singing, and go out and really don't connect again for six more days. If we're going to be the place that God wants us to be, if we're going to be the people God wants us to be, it's going to involve all of us stepping up to the plate, finding our spot, so that at the end, we'll have the joy of knowing that we could be counted on when the chips were down. I've talked a lot about my church experience all my life. I've been in church all 48-plus years. I've heard preachers speak many times about the judgment. Have you heard preachers talk about the judgment? At the end, God is going to judge us all. And, you know, I've heard preachers say, it's going to be like a great screen. It's going to be like you're looking at one of these IMAG screens and everything you've ever done is going to be on that screen. That'd make heaven Kind of a scary place, amen? Sometimes it could make heaven a kind of a risque place, but uh, that was the idea I was told, is that when, and when the judgment happens, everything you've ever done is going to be on a screen. That's as far away as it can possibly be from what the judgment's actually going to be like. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've never asked him your, into your heart and life, and you don't ever have any plan to, you're going to be in a different judgment. You're going to be in what the Bible calls the white throne judgment. And in that judgment, indeed, God is going to read the record of everything that everyone has ever done. But that's in order that he might have evidence for the eternal sentence. But that's not the judgment that we're going to, those of us who have accepted Christ. We're not going to that judgment. We're going to a very different kind of judgment. In the judgment for believers, what the Lord is going to do is he's going to evaluate what we did for him in this life. The Bible tells us that God will judge our works And he will see whether they are good or worthless, whether the things that we did with our time didn't make any difference or if they did make a difference. In the Bible, in the life of Jesus, Jesus told a story about a very wealthy man who left three of his servants to do his business while this wealthy man went on a trip. When the wealthy man came back home, two of the servants had done a very good job. One servant hadn't done a good job at all. The two servants had doubled the amount of money that the rich man had left them with. The one servant who had not done a good job, he dug a hole in the ground and he buried it and he'd never used it. Now that's that's an interesting story, but it has powerful parallels in our lives that that king who goes away is jesus that's like you know he came to this earth and now he's back in heaven and we're his servants and he's left us here to make a difference in our world and when he comes back just like that rich man came back he's going to evaluate our lives on the basis of what we did with the resources that he left us with did we use them did we multiply them for the kingdom or did we dig a hole in the ground and bury them now, when the king came back, the rich man, when he came back home, he had a statement for one of the guys who did a good job. And this is in Romans, excuse me, this is in, uh, in the book of Luke chapter 19, verse 17. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a trustworthy servant. You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be governor of ten cities as your reward. Now listen to that language again. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a trustworthy servant. Oftentimes when we think about ministry in a church, we get all confused. We think that it's about talent. We think it's about personality. But that's not how the Lord is going to evaluate us. He is going to evaluate us on were we trustworthy. When when we were standing at the plate, were we somebody that could be counted on in the crunch? That's what the judgment's going to be about. Were we trustworthy? Did we live to impress people? Did we live to have more stuff? Or did we live our lives as somebody who could be counted on? My prayer for you in today's message is this. Is that you'll explore these opportunities of this ministry in this church find the place that's your spot find out where you're going say to yourself that's for me i want to get involved in that i don't know all the answers about that yet i'm not even sure if i'm going to be good at it or not yet but i have an interest in that I- i'm excited about that and that's what we want you to do. we don't want you to do something here at messiah that you're not excited about because if you're not excited you won't be helping to create a joyful environment we want you to get plugged in to doing things that you like that you enjoy. Leveraging those loves and those talents and those gifts that God has given you for the kingdom of God. Engaging in what you enjoy doing. And when you do that, you're going to be making a difference in people's lives. And in eternity, far longer than my memory of standing on that baseball field, in eternity, you're going to still be feeling the warmth and the joy of knowing that you were somebody who could be counted on when the chips were down.